You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, for, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp. We've also got our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, how we feeling? We've got a big primetime game coming up tomorrow night. The Chiefs' first primetime game going to be one of the biggest tests of the season. What is our excitement level? How are we feeling? Well, I mean, it is probably one of the single biggest games of the entire NFL calendar. So <laughs> excited. I mean, is Herbert that fair versus to say Mahomes. in week two? Can we already yes. call it one of the biggest games of the entire season? It's Thursday night football. So it's standalone. It's yep. the two best quarterbacks in the NFL and it's an arrowhead. So like, and weirdly enough, like, you know, that's not just like the Homerism talking about here. If the game was in L.A., it's got a little less juice, man. Nobody cares about games played in L.A. ever Can't unless confirm. they're a Super Bowl. And so, yeah, Kayla, you're from – does anyone care? You ever just sit around people <laughs> like, hey, you going to the game today? Like, no. They're, if they're talking about that, they're going to a Lakers game. They're not going to the Chargers game. Like, if they're asking, are you going to the game today, you are either going to see the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, and literally no one else. They're certainly not talking about a Kings I don't know. It depends. Kayla, you like the Kings. I like, I like the, the Kings. <laughs> I like the NHL. But. Well, as far as, yeah, as far as the NFL goes, Rams have a decent fan base just because they were there before. But the Chargers, most of the time, from what I've seen last season, the away team has the bigger crowd. Not saying, just saying. Yeah. So, yeah, Nick, I think it's more than fair to say kind of going into this one. Well, and also seeing the way that 90% of NFL teams slept walk through the first week of the season – and seeing both the Chargers and the Chiefs looking really good on offense makes this game feel a little bit bigger, which is probably recency bias, but also we expected both these teams to be good. So maybe it's just kind of confirming what we already suspected. Nick, what a great segue into our first topic of discussion. And that is, should we just never doubt Mahomes again? I'm going with, no, we shouldn't. But I feels like a safe thing on the surface. <laughs> well, I mean, it does feel like... Um... I mean, you're more likely to be right, I would think, in that scenario than not. I, I can't help but think, like, I go back to that AFC title game. It's like, was he body snatched? Was it a Freaky Friday situation? Because when you watch him again in week one, and he goes for 360 yards and five touchdowns and no picks, and you look at the entirety of his career, you really have to question, in what world or what capacity did we ever, like, did that ever happen? So, no, I, I don't doubt him. Like, if they lose this game to the Chargers on Thursday, I have a hard time imagining that I will think that it was Patrick Mahomes' fault. I think that that's really the key to this. There's only, only one game where, really, I would put more blame on him than some other version of the thing that was happening on the field. And that was probably the AFC title game because he mattered more in the second half than the defense did cost him the game. I don't think you 
you guys were necessarily on the same page as me entering the season. Not that I thought the Chiefs would be bad or that Mahomes would be bad, but I expected there to be growing pains with this offense. And I wasn't expecting them to look like that against Arizona, which was near perfection. Like that was peak Mahomes. We've seen it a handful of times in his career. That was as good as any performance we've seen from him and the Chiefs offense in general. So I kind of left that game being mad at myself for expecting it to look any different. And maybe I was buying into the idea that taking Tyreek Hill out of this offense was going to change them in such a fundamental way that would be tough to get past. But if there was any way for them to stave off suspicion that this year might be different in one game, like that was the way you did it. Three didn't even take them a full game. It took them Not three e- quarters. Well, and I guess, like I understand, the Chargers are the biggest challenger to the Chiefs and Mahomes. I'm not foolish to think that. Look, I got to watch the Broncos game on Monday night where Nathaniel Hackett's making some pretty bad decisions to cost them a football game. And honestly, Nathaniel Hackett should be able to make 100 bad decisions and they should still be able to beat Seattle. And then I, you know, and then you watch the Raiders who got beat, I thought, fairly easily by the Chargers. I know technically the Chargers let him back in the game for a little bit, but the Chargers were definitively the better team. So I know going into this game, the Chiefs' single biggest competitor for the division this year is the Chargers. It makes me feel like this game could end up being decided, like who wins the division. I don't think it's deciding right now, but it might very well end up being the one-game difference that there's a decision one way or the other. Like, I just think that, that, you know, that's why when you're saying, are they the biggest competition, Kayla? Of course they are. They're the best team. They have the best quarterback. And hell, they might have the second best coach in the division, absent the Chiefs, right? Chiefs' best quarterback, best coach. The Chargers have the second best quarterback and probably the second best coach based on everything I've seen from Hackett in a game and and what I know from McDaniel's history. Yeah, and just going back to the Mahomes thing, I don't know what it was about the beginning of last season. I think he had, honestly, PTSD from Super Bowl 55. He just did not look comfortable. And this year he just came out right at the gate looking so confident, so comfortable in the pocket. He had so much time. We didn't see the scrambling Mahomes that we like to that we see a lot of the time, sure. which he can totally do that too. He he can play both roles, but he just seemed a lot more comfortable and at ease. And I think honestly, all the offseason offense question mark chatter has just added fuel to his fire. And guys, I'm just gonna grab my popcorn and uh just get ready for the show because he is on a different level this season already. And yes, this will be the biggest challenge I think aside from the bills. Um, but I have all the confidence and faith in Pat right now. When you it's, it's, it's easy in this situation because you know, anytime we're talking about like the confidence and should we ever doubt Mahomes again? Uh, you know, mostly we're comparing that against elite quarterbacks. So if these two people are going to, face each other regularly. And in this case, because they're in the division, uh, face each other twice a year for probably at least a decade. Like, no, I don't have any, I don't lose any faith in Mahomes because he's good in those games. He is one of the most, I don't know. It's like the the rare combination of, uh, he's shown a severe, you know, like a supreme clutch ability, right? In in Mm -hmm. key moments, he makes incredible plays. He beats big quarter. He like he shows up in big games. He beats big quarterbacks in big games. He has no issues with like the regular part. He's not just like a stat monster. Like a Kirk Cousins has put up good stats his entire career, but never won anything important. Like I don't know how we could ever doubt him anyway. Do you, I mean how many quarterbacks because do you, know you doubt him straight? You doubt him because like I don't know if you guys feel this way, but 
I remember life before Mahomes. Yeah. And you you see all over the league, a guy will have a good month, a good month and a half, and everybody's kind of ready to anoint him. Is this guy a top five quarterback? Is this guy changing the game? And historically speaking, those guys almost always regress. And if you stick yeah. around long enough, you'll almost always see them go back to the point where, okay, maybe there are a few holes in your resume. There are a few flaws in your game. There's ways that defenses can slow you down. There's part of me that keeps waiting for that to happen to Mahomes. And, and maybe that game against Cincinnati is sticking in my brain where I thought, okay, maybe this will stick around for this season. But after that game against Arizona, like I don't know, I still don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like this year because I don't know how much they really had to show against the Cardinals. Not much, but I expect it to be a top five offense in the league once again. And it's, he's that rare guy where immediately showed you that he was special and has only shown you little pockets of maybe not living up to those expectations. But 99% of the time, he's still that dude. I think with, I don't know, probably any, but there's never given any doubt. Like he's never once there's been like, oh, wow, two games. Mahomes doesn't look quite right and then he'll go and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and it doesn't matter <laughs> like i i have a hard time one of the things we we discuss a lot um just with friends or other shows or whatever is this notion that like with mahomes is are they a player that is fits within the normal confines of everything and then there's a couple of players in the league that are exceptions to the rule no matter the position so running back is that right You'd be like, wow, is Jonathan Taylor? Like, Derrick Henry has been largely an exception to the rule. Derrick Henry's legs should have fallen apart. He should have been out of the NFL already based on normal running back standards. Or Adrian Peterson, right? When he played for 15 years, you're like, well, running backs aren't supposed to play that long. That defies logic. Mahomes is that. Anytime I think about doubting him or those things, he does things that don't – he has from the beginning. In his first full year as a starter, he threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and went to an AFC title game. In his second full year as a starter, he won the Super Bowl. He's gone to four straight AFC title games. He's only been a starter in the NFL for four years. So half of his career has spent being playing in Super Bowl games. His entire career has never seen him anywhere short of an AFC title game. And he averages 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns every year. So... No other quarterback has ever had that kind of start to the history of their career. And if there was going to be a downside, Nick, yeah, it was going to be this year. It was going to be after they lost their Hall of Fame wide receiver. Because that's what, don't don't be confused. That's what Tyreek Hill will be at the end. He will sit in Canton. He will have a bronze sculpture made of him. He will be in the Hall of Fame. And they let him go and seemingly skipped zero beats. Kayla, I know we talked about your tweet, but I mean, that's it. It's like, (laughs) he's gone. And are you like, wait. Not only did you look good, you looked better. That's not suppo- that's not right. You lost a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers lost his Hall of Fame wide receiver, and he looked like garbage. This is what I don't understand, is all of these preseason chit-chat analysts who just doubt him and have – I'm like, do you even watch football? They He's not even in the MVP conversation. Everyone's high on Herbert. Everyone's high on Allen. You know, why, why do people want to doubt him when – he literally proves people wrong game after game after game. I don't understand that. What's interesting about this game is, is that the person who can cast way more doubt is Herbert. Herbert doesn't always win big games. He puts up incredible stats. He's an incredible quarterback. He makes incredible throws. Despite that, they've never been in a postseason game. They've won a couple of big games. They beat the Chiefs last year in September. 
but it's not consistent. They lose games. They have no business losing, like you mentioned with Denver, Nick. They, you know, there's there's always problems, consistent problems when it comes to that. So to me, it's in this game, if Mahomes struggles and Herbert wins this one time, I'll think nothing less of Mahomes. If Herbert, once again, can't continue to get over these hurdles or continue to push themselves forward or are now already a game back in the division, then yeah, I mean, I'll question him way more than I ever do Mahomes after this game. I don't question either. They're the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Are we at all worried about that wrist? I know he says he's good to go. It's a little sore. It's not sore today. We're good with that? Yeah, I'm fine. He told me it's 100%. Well, he didn't say 100%, but he said yesterday he said it hurt. And then on Tuesday, he said it hurt less. It feels good. So at this point, no. I'm much more concerned about what they're going to do without Trent McDuffie for a month, which we can get to a little bit later. But, I, you know, I from a Holmes perspective, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it. What, where are we at with uh, Juju? We, we saw a good debut by him. What do you think is going to happen in a primetime Thursday night game? His first at Arrowhead, by the way. Keep that ball high and tight, man. That's my only fumble. Juju. Yeah. And he almost had two. The, the first I fumble know. went out of bounds, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, maybe he, hopefully he just got those out of the way. Hopefully that's like a Kareem Hunt where he fumbles in his first game and then goes on to have an all-pro season. That would be ideal. Well, I mean, he was their best receiver. There was like, it was funny because like once you get the NFL, you can stop like making your little guesses about who you think is better and we can kick around Isaiah Pacheco talk or all those things. You watch that game on Sunday. There's some fairly obvious things. Clyde Edwards-Alaire went healthy is their best running back. Juju Smith-Schuster went healthy is their best wide receiver. Like, and it's not close. It's not to knock McColl or MVS. One guy looks like a guy who is handled the responsibility of a number one wide receiver for a playoff contending team. And the other guys look like guys who help those kind of players. <laughs> They're good players. They're part of championship rosters. Hell, some of them have been in either Kansas City or championship level rosters in Green Bay, even if they didn't win it. But with Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I feel great. Uh, he's going to have a much tougher challenge with the secondary of the Chargers than whoever the Cardinals were rolling out of there. But I would think if I'm the Chargers, they're probably going to focus on Kelsey first and then clearly Juju second, right? That feels like the most logical step. I agree with you. I think Juju's clearly the number one. Usually when I get like one of my pet peeves is when people say, and it's not close, but in this case, I think it actually does apply. He's clearly this team's number one. I'm that I'm person, sure. Nick. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, I <laughs> use it. I use it too. I'm always, whenever I have an opinion upon something, I'm just like, oh, and it's not close. Right. And it's like, well, it might be close. Let's have a conversation about it. There's no conversation about who the Chiefs' number one is. I wonder what his ceiling is in this offense. We saw what the ceiling for a number one receiver was year after year with Tyreek Hill, which is putting up, at least statistically, as good a numbers as anybody in the NFL. Do we have to rein that ceiling in? Six catches, 79 yards in a game where they didn't even need him in the fourth quarter. What statistically do you think is sort of the cap for Juju this year? I I, I wouldn't pencil him in for a 1,000 before the year. After that game, it seems slightly more plausible, right? I mean, he's on pace for 1,400 yards, so I, I don't think it's insane to think that that's inside of his number again. But I still think the cap's like 1,100 yards, isn't it? Like, I mean, in what well, world I, am I supposed to assume that it's more than that? I made the bet over a 1,000, so I'm sticking with that. 
I'm locked into okay. that at this point. But do you think it can be more than a thousand, Kayla? Do you think it could be 1,200, 1,300, 14? Like, can he be what Tyreek Hill was last year, which is a 1,300 yard receiver, 1,250 yard receiver? Because a thousand yards doesn't mean what it used to anyway. Kayla, I'm actually going to set this one up for you because remember okay. last year with the way Chiefs, you know, their opponents started playing them defensively and they had to take more of the short passing game stuff under. It really became possession. You in the last episode questioned or we, we referenced your tweet in which you said that maybe this offense could be better without Tyreek Hill. So if so yes. facto Tyreek Hill system wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster is <laughs> going to Tyreek Hill numbers this year in Kansas city plug and play. So you're just telling her to say that you're not saying it, Nick. You're just saying, yeah, Kayla, right. if you want to, if right. you like that way, opinion. I can't, that way I can't be held responsible for the take. So I'm just attributing it to you, Kayla. Nick, you just want another clip for social media. It's probably <laughs> on blast. I'll say it. I mean, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying going that far. I don't know that he's going to put up Tyreek numbers. I do think he's going to hit the thousand mark. I'll say that just because we're using so many other offensive guys and they just relied so heavily on Hill in the past. It was like Hill and Kelsey and Clyde here and there. Do you guys think Juju is better than any wide receiver not named Tyreek Hill that Patrick Mahomes has had? Oh. Yes. So he's better than Sammy Watkins. Yes. I Sammy Watkins' Sammy best year was he was a thousand yard guy. Juju Smith Schuster at his peak powers. Look, he's had injury stuff too. Was a 1,400 yard wide receiver. AJ Brown helped, or AJ, uh, wait, is it not AJ Brown? Now I'm thinking of the Eagles game over there. Antonio weekend. Brown. Antonio Brown uh, obviously helped that. Right when he had to do it, but Juju seemed—he honestly seemed legitimately rejuvenated from being with a real quarterback again. It was a reminder that he's good. His quarterback in Pittsburgh stuck. Like that was, a, and I didn't know for sure if that was the case because with any any time like there's a wide receiver with another team, you're like, all right, are they really this good, or is there, or is there just nobody else to throw to, or are they really this bad, or is there no one to throw them the ball? Right? It's like the Allen—we'll uh, call it the Allen Robinson vortex. Was Allen Robinson really good in Jacksonville, in Chicago, or was there simply no one else to catch the ball in either of those places so their entire offenses, which were bad in all of those years, just ran through that one guy? We don't know yet because we'll find out with Stafford and all that stuff in L.A. and a very innovative offensive coach in Sean McVay. But that's what I was with Juju. I'm like, okay, so he had one really good year when Ben Roethlisberger was still throwing for 40 touchdowns. Is he actually good or was he helped because Antonio Brown was taking all the heat off of him? Is he actually good or was he just a young player we got excited about? Because he hasn't been good in a while. And that first game was like, no, nope, he's really, he's still good. He runs good routes. He gets, well, he's open. He gets separation. He's big. 6-1, big, strong, fast. Um, I don't think he's putting up Tyreek numbers, but it wouldn't shock me if he has 1,200 yards this year. He's clearly going to be the number one, like in, in most of Mahomes progressions in terms of wide receivers he's gonna get a lot of looks this team's gonna pass the ball a lot they're gonna score a lot I, I wouldn't be shocked if he has another Pro Bowl season this year I always have this analogy from dance that relates to football I don't know if you guys going back we're just gonna talk about dance I guess every episode let's going back to let's talk about stomp the yard this time I'll talk about a different <laughs> dance movie <laughs> well okay are you familiar with the show so you think you can dance of course uh, yes really okay great um well it used to be one of my favorite shows. And anytime there was like this amazing dance that would always just go viral, it was because it was the two 
best dancers to go together. Not necessarily the best dancers, but the two that worked well together, the best choreography and the right song. And when you combine those three things, you had magic. So I think that you can put any player into any situation when it's the right coach, the right offense, and then they're a good talent and you can have magic. So I think with Mahomes, with Reed, Juju in this offense, sky's the limit. I look, I don't love that analogy. I, uh, <laughs> I, with, with, uh, with Juju, the way you're talking about like, well, Antonio Brown helped him. Well, he still has Kelsey. So even if he does need a number one guy next to him, it's not like he doesn't have that here. Travis Kelsey's pretty good. So it turns out, um, we had Tony Gonzalez on our show on Monday and it was just like, yeah, he's great. Um, like there's no other words. I'm like, Hey, can he be good forever? He's like, I was good till I was 38. I was like, yeah, good point, Tony. Not here to argue that Travis Kelsey is going to go the opposite direction. I would Juju. It's I, I just wanted to like have realistic expectations for him. We all have some player that we take to unrealistic expectations going into the year. And this year for Chiefs fans, it was two players. It was either Juju Smith-Schuster or George Karloftis. People were either convinced Juju Smith-Schuster was going to be a 1,300-yard wide receiver or George Karloftis was going to have 10 sacks. And from one game, you're like, they're pretty good. I don't know that I'm counting on 10 sacks or 1,300 yards yet, but they both looked the part, which certainly doesn't hurt when you're talking about their Super Bowl aspirations. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, well, Cody, you alluded this alluded to this earlier. And question is, is Herbert and the Chargers the biggest challenge to Mahomes and KC? I'm going to read a few stats before we get into this. Okay. Um, in Pat's seven career games against the Chargers, he's thrown for over 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, all while going five and two in those seven games. And let's not forget what Nick brought up the other day when talking about September Pat, who in the month of September has thrown 46 scoring passes, has had at least three passing TDs, uh, two of those in all but two of those, 14 games with only three picks total in 14 games, 12 of which were dubs. So my answer is no. Um, or my, sorry, my answer is yes, aside from the Bills, that this is challenging. But again, with all of those stats, I'm feeling pretty confident about this game Thursday. The floor is yours. I don't understand. Like, sometimes we put out Mahomes stats and you're like, oh, my God, he's he's the Terminator. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, those September stats stand out. But it's, I don't know. It's obviously the Chargers because they're in their division. If the Bills were in the division, maybe it'd be them. But... They play them Just almost a, every single year. Yes, but but they play the Chargers twice a year, home and away, no matter what. And Justin Herbert is every bit as good as Josh Allen. So I think they're the two see, best. So, despite the frequency of which of how often they play them, do you think the Chargers are on the same level as the Bills? Just in terms of of talent, in terms of stay power, in terms of just being a threat in the AFC? Might yes. Because you have Herbert. My only question about them is coach. They have mm -hmm. a star defensive end. They just paid their star safety. They have really good wide receivers. Maybe none of them are the guy you're saying that's a, the, one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL. But I don't think anybody's going to complain about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler at the running back position catching stuff for you. So 
there's no reason to think they're not going to be around for a long time with Justin Herbert other than the coach. And people like Staley coming into there. He says a lot of smart things. His philosophy is good. And then sometimes you just still have moments where there's something stopping them from being better than that. But I'm not like over the moon with Sean McDermott. He's a very good coach too. He's gotten them to an AFC title game. So he's gotten his quarterback further than Justin Herbert, but he's also a couple of years deeper into this. So no, they're every bit of a challenge because they're just as good. They have one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's not quite as good as the Bills. They have one of the best quarterbacks. They're the toughest competition because you're going to have to face them twice. It's the, I mean, it is them or the Bills, but I think it's the Chargers in this case. They're the only team who has beaten the Chiefs at home in back-to-back seasons. And yet never beaten them in LA. It's so funny. Like his divisional record is incredible, Kayla, but he still hasn't lost a road divisional game. I know that can't happen this week, but just a stat to store right, away yeah. from later. I feel like a lot of people would answer the Bills to this. Which is funny because if we would rewind to a year ago today, I don't think a lot of Chiefs fans were buying the bills yet because it was the same thing that I think a lot of people are saying about the Chargers, which is, well, prove it, right? Prove that you have staying power, win big games, go to the playoffs, win games in the playoffs. The bills did that last year. And so now there's this newfound respect that wasn't there a year ago. I feel like the Chargers are in that same exact spot. And for that matter, the Ravens were in that spot last year as well. We, we entered last season wondering that early in the schedule, if the Chiefs beat the Bills, if they beat the Ravens, if they beat the Chargers, will Mahomes just mentally own all these quarterbacks because they know they can't get past them? Yeah. Well, they lost all those games. The Chiefs lost all those games early in the season. And I feel like the Ravens are another team that looked really good in week one. They were injury plagued last year, so they sort of bottomed out at the end of the year, and they're not being talked about as a legit threat in the AFC. I think Lamar Jackson's as good as any of these guys. Uh, see, to me, it's like, it's not that we have to do uh, prototypical <laughs> sports radio stuff, but if we're tiering quarterbacks, Lamar is clear on that, everyone. Mahomes and Unanimous Herbert. MVP. Unanimous MVP. Mahomes and Herbert and, you know, and Allen get a different ranking than Lamar Jackson. Why does Josh Allen get a different ranking than Lamar Jackson? One, he's so like your argument might be for Herbert because Josh Allen has been to an AFC title game. He's played in more important games than him. And he's finished second for the MVP. I understand Lamar Jackson won it. Um, but it's not like he's never been in the conversation or ever received a vote or been around there. I also, and look, some of this might be what you just said in recency bias. I did just watch him play two absolutely perfect playoff football games. I do trust Lamar Jackson's coach more. Like you just want to talk from a team perspective. Lamar Jackson has one of the five best coaches in the NFL too. Harbaugh is great. He makes teams win more games than they ever deserve to win, even when they are injury plagued. But Lamar, I don't, it's, it's not that I don't think he's a good quarterback because that's not it at all. He does some spectacular things. It's just, he doesn't, as good as he's been as a passer and all of those things, it just doesn't feel like he gets that. To me, he's not quite, he's not quite there. It's not like I'm saying he's five tiers below. Don't lump him in with Derek Carr or other middling quarterbacks or Kirk Cousins. He doesn't deserve that treatment. He just deserves to be in the, the second range. By the way, anytime we talk about average quarterbacks, it's always Derek Those two. Carr. <laughs> Kirk They're always the names that get lumped. Who else am I supposed to say? No, I, to be honest with you, Ultimately, I probably side with both of you guys. Like, I would take the Chargers as well. I guess I was just playing a little devil's advocate. 
But you also thought they were going to win the division. So I don't know how you couldn't take the Chargers. Like if they're a threat to you in your own backyard, then they're a problem. Yeah, no, they are. And and it's because of exactly what you said, which is I still have questions about the coach. I have questions about the defense. We, we always expect the Chargers to do Charger things and blow games that they're supposed to win. But I watch Justin Herbert throw the football and I say, there's only one other guy who makes me do a double take on, on some of his passes and it's Patrick Mahomes. Like just in terms of arm talent, like a lot of what we love about Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is because of their legs. And I'm not dismissing that and saying it's less than, but in terms of just being able to push the ball down the field and pull off some of those circus throws, Herbert is that dude. And he showed that last year when the the chargers came into Arrowhead and I would imagine, don't you guys think that's going to be sticking with the chiefs a little bit? They don't lose games in Arrowhead to divisional opponents. I would imagine divisional opponents. No, I know, (laughs) especially in the home opener. This feels like it's setting up towards everything that we've come to expect with like big game Patrick Mahomes Chiefs offenses. I know they lost to them last year. I still think this is a good this is a good thing for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes plays his best in September and they get to play their toughest divisional opponent at home on a short week in December. Like that feels like good. I know they lost someone's like yes, I know they lost to the Chargers in September this previous year. But just in in a vacuum, which I think is fair to look at it from a bigger picture, what's not to like about this setup? The Chiefs get to play at home on the short weeks, so they have to travel to you. Andy is better on short weeks than other coaches. Andy prepares for divisional opponents better than other coaches. They are – Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact he's tremendous all the time, is somehow even better in September. Like, this lines up well for Kansas City. I mean, it's never good to face a tough divisional team. You'd prefer to have easier teams on the schedule, but if I'm choosing when to get to play them, I'd rather they play the Chargers now than December. Cody, you're forgetting about our better offense, too. I think so. I mean, especially no Keenan (laughs) Allen, right? No Keenan Allen for the Chargers? That feels not insignificant. If we're talking about my plans for the results of this game, I mean, losing me. It's like, would you have taken before the game that they won't have Keenan Allen, but you also won't have Trent McDuffie? And the answer is, Probably yes. The problem is, is that Keenan Allen might be back in 10 days for the Chargers and Trent McDuffie went to the IR, which means they're not going to see him for a month, which is a, you know, a bigger problem when they have to go face guys over the next few weeks. Like, I don't know, Michael Pittman, for instance, I don't know if God will be healthier. I'd used him as example for the box. It's not even about the talent that you're going up against. It's the timing. This is a rookie. He needs reps. He needs yeah. snaps. Mm-hmm. You want him to, if he's going to go through, He's going to go through growing pains. I'd rather him do it in September than in December. Yep. Before the playoffs, you mean? You'd rather him have it all figured out before? Ideally. Well, and this is, Kaylee, Nick makes fun of me because he accuses me of always saying they want a player. So before this season had started, I said, you know, I think that they should probably target a veteran wide receiver in the waiver market. And he said, anyone in particular? And I was like, no, I would just like a veteran corner who ends up getting cut off the team. I'm not too particular about it. I just want a little protection. Because right now they're counting on McDuffie, Watson, and Joshua Williams. Three rookie cornerbacks. And if one of them goes down, they're like now in this case, McDuffie, they're then counting down the other two. It's like, but well, Caleb, I don't like this. Caleb, what he does, though, what he's what Cody's leaving. I'm defending out. myself well. You have to. No, you're not because you're leaving out <laughs> the key parts of the story, which is all of last season. Any defensive player for the first for the first two months of the year. They were really bad, Nick. Anytime a team cut <laughs> a defensive player. Cody wanted to talk about how he thinks the Chiefs should go and pick them up. And my didn't argument who, was not... It didn't matter what position. He wanted them to pick up any 
any available free agent yeah. defensive player. Anything was better than what was happening. So that's, that's what that was. Unfortunately, that was my argument, which didn't hold up because eventually they got better. It was like, there is no way. It was like adding Nick Schwartz to the defense won't make them worse. <laughs> They're the historically the worst defense in NFL history through six weeks. I'll take anyone. I wasn't going that far in training camp. I just thought, you know, for safety purposes, it wouldn't be all that bad to have a veteran corner available. Maybe spent, you know, maybe I'm like, We've done nothing but spend four years talking about how Spags loves veteran players. He hates the young guys. He'll start Dan Sorensen over your ass. He doesn't care, right? He'll start any veteran player over any young player. And it's wild to me that all of a sudden it's like, well, Spag loves Jalen Watson. I'm like, excuse me. He was a seventh round rookie. This is what we've pinned our hopes to. So either Brett Veach has started to turn into the absolute fifth through seventh round whisperer and is just going to find talented players at those positions who you can count on immediately, or he's about to have a very rude awakening to the NFL. We got to talk Monday Night Football. Seahawks 17, Broncos 16. One of the most ridiculous endings to get. That whole game honestly felt so chaotic from beginning to end. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett making one of the worst decisions as a head coach in the NFL, in my opinion. Let's discuss... Couldn't have happened to a better team than the Broncos. But yeah, it was, it was bad. Were you guys actively rooting against the Broncos at that point? Or were you yes. too overcome with confusion to understand what they were doing? Because <laughs> that's the boat I was in. I think deep like, down, I wanted them to lose. But also I was like, but don't lose like this. What is it? <laughs> lose a real way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kayla, Kayla said, uh, it's one of the worst decisions in my opinion. Kayla, it's everyone's opinion. There's not a single person yes. on Nathaniel Hackett's side on planet Earth. He hasn't found one defender. Like we even like hot take TV shows where they're like, hey man, we just take the opposite so we can have somebody else defend it. They're like, not me. I'm not looking like an idiot. There is no way I'm defending Nathaniel Hackett's decision. I don't think Twitter has ever been more united than they were on Monday Night Football. Those are the best days on Twitter, by the way. This happens we're all, like we're all rowing the years. same boat. It's great. <laughs> we're all rowing the same boat. It, it feels nice. We're on the same page. But no, it's it it legitimately makes me question if they hired the right coach. And it's like, come on, man. It's one game. No, that decision was so bad. So egregious. He looked confused. Like, uh, I don't know, Kayla, if you watch the show, Nick and I both watch the show. I think you should leave. And the, the, the meme that most accurately portrays it is, I don't know what any of this shit is and I'm scared. Because <laughs> that's how he acted in that moment. <laughs> he seems so scared. Like, um, timeouts. And then he's like, well, then a field goal. And then another, t-. you're like, what are you doing? And Just then he's- go for the fourth and five. The timeouts at the very end, after the field goal, when it was Seattle, I was like, what are we even doing here? This does not make any sense whatsoever. How he became a head coach is beyond me. Um, did la- did Monday Night Football make us feel a little better about the AFC West? It Yes, it had to, right? It had to solidify that. Because here's the thing. I think the Broncos, who didn't play anybody during the preseason, there's a few teams in the NFL that may want to revisit that strategy, by the way. <laughs> it looked like a team that hadn't played together. Like the offense was Ever. snapping the ball at the last second. They were fumbling, miscommunications. I just, this part of me that if you need to rethink the strategy of perhaps getting a few reps in the preseason, I think ultimately they'll kind of get things figured out from a play calling point of view and that offense will get humming. But 
I would be shocked if their head coach costs them another game with bad decision-making down the stretch because we always joke about one-possession games in the NFL. Every game in the NFL is a one-possession game. You need a guy on the sidelines who knows what's going on out there. They had the number two scoring defense in the NFL last year, and that's not going to hold up if they're undisciplined. They committed more penalties in that game yesterday than in any game last year. Maybe two games combined. Like, they just look confused. Like, he hasn't done this before because, shocker, he hasn't. He had <laughs> never been a head coach to that point. But that mo- like I that moment was going to stand out bad no matter what, but it stood out even worse because in the second quarter, I was questioning what was going on. They had like second and 18 inside the inside the red zone. It was like the it was like right up right around there. It's like the 23 yard line. Second and 18, right near the red zone. And they were running halfback dives up the middle. I'm like, okay, so you've just given up on this possession. Like just right now, you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and you're like, we're done. Again, if Daniel Jones is your quarterback, run the halfback dive. You know what? The three's probably good. Good choice. Uh, don't let him screw this up. But why did you pay a quarter of a billion dollars to a guy if you're not going to let him throw the football? It's a question we all had. Um, <laughs> were we weird. surprised hey, that man. Russell Wilson wasn't more angry in his postgame? Nick, process? you absolutely talk about this. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so listen. I'm not pitting this on Russ. He's the player. He plays. The coach coaches. I'm not trying to get it twisted there. But Russell Wilson left Seattle because he didn't have enough control over decision-making organizationally and offensively. In his first game with a different team, his coach (laughs) makes the worst decision in NFL history, and he's just like, cool, guess we'll just (laughs) eat this L and move on to the next one. Why did look like that he wasn't on the sidelines at least saying like, hey, are you sure? Like, you don't want to run another play? Or at least turn around. You got three timeouts at that point. We see it happen all the time. Quarterbacks turn around to the ref, timeout. Like, I'm taking this timeout right now. Russell has enough cachet to do that. So, again, I'm not blaming him on it. I'm blaming it on him, but I'm also confused that he, maybe he was just confused. Maybe he didn't know what was going on either. You also don't, like, you don't always win the battle. Mahomes will stay on the field like, come on, I want to go for it. And then Mahomes gets asked to bend the game, and he's like, well, I'd go for all of them. It's probably better that, you know, like, Nick and I, if we don't have like a babysitter, we might get in real trouble sometimes. Like we need a person to be the voice of reason. (laughs) So if that's the case in those moments, fine. But Russell Wilson should have been fighting for it. He was like, hey, we're going to kick the 64 yard. And he's like, cool. And he's kind of like, just like strolled to the sideline. Like it was no big deal. Like, sounds good, coach. Thanks. A plus. And you're like, I know it's the first game. So maybe you don't want to show him up yet. Or maybe you're not tired of him to the point that you're going to fight that. But no, I was a little surprised that Russell Wilson seemingly did not care. (laughs) <laughs> they were kicking a 64-yard field goal, which are lifetime two for like 35 in NFL history. So pretty low probabilities. I'm going to guess that whatever percentage that equals is probably lower than the average conversion rate of a fourth and five in NFL history. So it's confusing. To be fair, just to play devil's advocate for a second, I'm not, I'm not going to be the only person agreeing with Nathaniel Hackett here, but also he was right in that the Broncos offense Stunk. was terrible down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess from one very, very, very tiny point of view, I can understand why he wanted to get them off the field because they weren't picking well. up. That down. They weren't like you had to, you had to leave the offense on the field there, but they looked lost. 
And I don't think they were picking up five yards there. But yes, also- but nobody would have blamed him if they didn't. They just assumed like, ah, bad offense. You screwed it up. But they would have been like, eh, that Javante Williams goal line fumble. That's why you lost. Yeah. Not because you went for the fourth and five. Everyone would just let you off the, not off the mm-hmm. hook, but better. Conf- confusion all around. Needless to say, I am no longer fearful much of the Broncos. But we're going to focus our attention back to Thursday night. How much weight, you guys, are we putting into this Thursday nighter against the Chargers? I think it could decide the division, as I said earlier. So that's important. I don't like that Trent McDuffie is out for the game. I think he's an important player for them. I thought he was playing really well before that. And anytime you're facing an elite quarterback, I don't love the idea of an all-pro quarterback having the option to throw at a seventh-round rookie. I watched that with Marcus Cooper once and Peyton Manning, and it hurt um, so a lot. I mean, it's an important game, mm-hmm. obviously for Kansas City. It's an important game for LA. When we, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll make predictions here in a minute. But when we, you know, when you're talking about the weight of the game, it's it's the most important game on the Chiefs' schedule, outside of probably the Bills. But because this is Thursday night, because it's at home, and because you'll get ten days rest before you take on the Colts, a team I think you'll beat. If you win this game, you got a pretty good chance of starting three and zero. And it's not even that big of a stretch to talk about 5-0 and because it's Tampa Bay and Oakland after that. And Cody, as you said earlier, divisional games, especially for the Chiefs this year, are huge because it most likely could come down to a head-to-head matchup down the road. So we've got to win these. Cody, you said you said Tampa Bay. Well, you said Oakland, so... Oh, no, sorry. That Ve- one. Vegas. But you said those teams as if they're layups. They're not layups. They're just... Um, they're, they're, to me... They're not like the Chargers or the Bills where I'm like, who's better? These teams are both great. Who's better? I think the Chiefs are better than both the, the Bucks, and I think the Chiefs are better than the Raiders. Not by like huge margins. Yeah, but the Chiefs right? are better than everyone, right? Like if we want to play this game. <laughs> not the, but not the Chargers and not the Bills. Those are teams that are on their level. I'm not sure which of those teams is better. There's a chance that the Chargers have a better team than the Chiefs. I don't think so right now, but there's a chance that that's the case. I don't think there's a, there's a 0% chance I get to the end of this year and I tell myself the Raiders have a better team than the Chiefs. They don't. Right, exactly. And I think there's a 0% chance I feel that way about the Bucks too. Okay, but- devil's advocate. The Chiefs started 3-5 and five last year. They lost yeah. to the Chargers. They lost to the Ravens. They lost to the Bills. They still won the division and made it farther in the playoffs. And hosted the AFC title teams. game. Right? Yeah. So What, like it's hard? Yeah, I know, but like that's the thing with the Chiefs is it doesn't matter what happens on Thursday. A month and a half from now, we're all going to be sitting here picking them to go to the Super Bowl again because Correct. can sustain losses in a way yeah. that other teams can't. So I think expects them to go undefeated because they have a million. Yeah, I think I think they're going to win this game. Like I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we're almost out of time. But I think they win this game. But even if they don't. I'm not convinced that it's going to swing the AFC West in a substantial way that like can't be overcome over the following 15 weeks of football. Which is what we saw in years past. So that is true. Do you guys want to make official predictions? I was going to say, let's do it. Is it that time? It is that time. Who's going first? Uh, Who went first last time? Hmm. I don't remember. (laughs) I just, I already spoiled mine. So I'll just go ahead and say, um, you think the chiefs win. I think the Chiefs win Thursday night football, short week, home opener. It just, I mean, come on. You don't have to overthink this one too much. I think it's going to be close because I think the Chargers are really, really, really good. But the loss of Keenan Allen is massive. That's a top 15 receiver in the NFL. So 
I'll take the Chiefs by the slimmest of margins. So I'll, I'll say 31 28. <gasps> Is that That's almost what I wrote? I had 31 27. Okay. Well, okay. You can still keep that then. We're good. Yeah. Okay. I have 33 30. So we're, we're wow, good. We're all right there. Well, the Chiefs score 30. Like anytime I'm predicting a Chiefs score, it's going to have a three in it. I mean, I guess maybe against number one defenses in the NFL, I'll, I'll taper that back, but. Both these teams are going to score 30. And obviously there's no reason to not think it's going to be close, but I I know at some point this year I will pick the Chiefs to lose. But I like a lot of the things that go in their favor for what you mentioned, Nick. I like the short week for the Chiefs better. Mm-hmm. I like it for the Chargers. I like that they're at home. I like that it's September football. I like that Mahomes just got his feet wet with all of his new weapons and he threw for 360 yards and five touchdowns, essentially in three quarters. It was Confidence 334 and five. So I mean it's there's no reason to think they're not going to give the Chargers problems. I'm sure the Chargers will give the Chiefs problems, but in the end, I'll still take the coaching advantage from Andy Reid and Staley. So I don't think the Chargers are going to get the better of the Chiefs in back-to-back September games at Arrowhead. What are the keys to a KC win? Well, a pass rush is <laughs> be pretty normal. <laughs> Any kind of disruption for Justin Herbert, even occasionally, because you're not going to get it all the time, I think would be big. Um, but I think the Chiefs are going to have to pass and pass a lot. I think they have to take advantage of um, trying to put points on the board early in case the Chargers have that run. Last time it was the other way. Chargers got up 14 nothing, and the Chiefs had to try to come from behind. Right. When they beat, you know, like this time to me, don't let them front run. You get out ahead and you work ahead. So to me, it's like utilizing the passing game early and proving that you can put points up on, on a much better defense than the Cardinals one. To me, that's going to be there. But, you know, any – any kind of disruption to Herbert will be will be big. Yeah, I think until the until the Chiefs can prove like on a consistent basis that they're going to be a stout defense. Like I'm not even going to start with that. I'm not even going to start yeah. with oh you got to get it. You know they're going to score. The Chargers are going to score points. Hopefully you can make a few plays late in the game, get a few turnovers, and that's where you end up winning it defensively. But offensively, I think you're right, Cody. There's no way the Chargers are going to make it as easy on the Chiefs' offense as the Cardinals just did. Like Vance Joseph, one one high safety, blitzing, that is not the recipe for slowing down Patrick Mahomes. If anything, he just like gave him a nice little momentum boost into the season. So thank you, Vance Joseph, for really getting some mojo going for the Chiefs. But I'd imagine Brandon Staley is going to have a, a more complex defensive game plan and I would imagine that it's going to include the Chiefs having to throw it deeper than they really ever had to in Glendale. So I want to see what the deep passing game looks like. I want to see if if MVS can get loose or if McCole Hardman can get loose. We saw the big one from Sky, but that was really it versus Arizona. I would imagine they're going to have to make a few more of those deep passing plays uh, to score points against the Chargers. Let's agree at least that the first unanimous MVP of the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. Vance Joseph. Thanks, man. Great yeah, job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, just congrats on this prestigious award. We're very happy that you were able to win it for us. Blitzing Mahomes 54% of the time certainly earned it for you this time. I think we're good here. We're all aligned. Chiefs are going to win Thursday Night Football. We will be back with you on Friday with our game reaction, hopefully coming off a Chiefs win. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. And again, we will be back with you on Friday.